When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to episode 86 of the Talking Fires podcast. Ben Fadden, your host today with a special guest, Rob Friedman, better known as the Pitching Ninja. Thanks, Rob, so much for joining. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. No problem. So we got a good amount to discuss today. Just we'll start or we'll end with the Hall of Fame results, obviously being announced yesterday and one guy getting in and some guys not getting in, obviously, and off the ballot and all that. I'm a big Hall of Fame, you know, geek type guy. So that'll be fun, you know, to talk about. But first, just kind of wanted to, for those that don't know, you know, Rob is huge, you know, on Twitter and has been featured MLB Network, ESPN uh, on, you know, different pitches, breaking down different pitchers. Uh, and so you can check out him on YouTube, on Twitter. And I'm just wanted to start it, Rob, off with how you started, how that idea kind of started of you posting these kind of breakdowns and these videos. So, yeah, I originally started out as a pitching coach, just trying to share what I've learned. Um, it's one of those things that it, it kind of took off unexpectedly. Like I didn't expect it, my account to grow. It wasn't a plan that I had to be like this social media dude. Um, but it's really more like trying to help people for free, giving information that I knew um, and I had learned through coaching um, and then just passing it down because I knew I wasn't going to coach forever. So I thought the right thing to do was to help as many people as I could and just start sharing stuff. Like that's, that's really how it started. And then uh, college coaches, major league players, college pitchers, everybody started getting more and more interested because they thought it was cool. And then I probably expanded more on the entertainment aspects of it too, just to show everybody how fun pitching can be, but really start out more from the mechanics and grip standpoint. Okay. And I'm curious for anyone, obviously who's watching or listening, when you look at his profile, all these videos, I'm curious where you get the videos from. Are you the one clipping them or does major league baseball send them to you? How do, how do you get those? Oh, it's all done by me. Yeah, I, I watch a lot of baseball. Yeah, and so you kind of just clip from watching games or highlights or? Yeah, you know, from, from watching games generally. I mean, MLB and I, like since I, uh, I, I'm a consultant for them, they're totally cool with it. I mean, I know they're, they can be somewhat, you know, it's their copyright. They can do what they want with it, but they like the fact that I help showcase the sport in a positive way and, you know, we we're copacetic. Mm-hmm. And who is in terms of Padres, who's your favorite Padre right now to, you know, analyze? I know you Darvish is big and we'll get into him, but who are, who's your favorite? 
man, I don't play favorites. That's not fair. Like it, I kind of like they they've got a ton of good pitchers. I mean, I've been a big Mike Clevenger fan for a while, big U Darvish fan since he's been in the league. Um, to Nelson Lamette is, uh, I mean, when, when he's healthy, that dude is just pure fire. I love watching him throw. I mean, it's, and, and again, I don't think everybody's seen the best of Blake Snell. You see glimpses of how good he is, right. but he's, he's kind of, uh, I mean, when he's on, he's as good as anybody. Mm-hmm. Now, how about most interesting? I mean, maybe that's the same question, but there's, yeah, cause there's a lot of pitchers, like you mentioned that, obviously have different pitches and their windups and it's just a unique staff in my mind. Yeah. Um, Clevenger is hilarious just cause he's a, he just constantly moves. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of the energy he brings and I've compared him to uh Seattle slew side by side, which he liked. Um, so like, I love his stuff. He's nasty, but as far as like the specifically, I mean, you Darvish's arsenal is unique in that he throws every single pitch imaginable, imaginable other than the, uh, I mean, a knuckleball or something like that. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, yeah, but he's he's nasty. Uh, before we get into Darvish and some of his, you know, nasty pitches, I'm curious, have any teams reached out to you that want to have you work for them like exclusively or is this more of just, or is it something that's happened and you just don't want to do that? Um, It's not something I would ever pursue. It's not like something that I'm interested in doing. I've had college teams reach out to me about coaching, Um, you know, pro guys, pro guys I'll help, but I don't want to be associated with one team that ruins kind of my, I do this mostly for fun, mostly because I, I, I like doing it. It's grown into something bigger than that, but I don't ever want to be a pitching coach. Don't want to deal with that. Nope. Okay. Yeah. Now we can get into Darvish here. Uh, I'm sharing my screen for the YouTube audience. So these are three videos of Darvish that Rob has posted on his YouTube. And I wanted to have Rob kind of give his thoughts on used pitches and what he is seeing here, obviously. Uh, and what makes, you know, these pitches so, you know, interesting. So, Rob, if you may, you can take it away and I'll play these videos and I can rewind them and just, if you could, just talk through them. Sure. I mean, you Darvish's two-seamer can be really wicked, and I think it's probably an underappreciated pitch because everybody looks at all his other nasty stuff. I mean, his cutter and slider. But – his two seamer has been really, really good. And you can see how much that thing moves. I mean, yeah, I'll go back. Yeah, it's, 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 it's really nasty. And you're seeing a little bit of two seamer sinkers coming back. Um, it's just a good pitch to tunnel another horizontal pitch with like a slider or cutter. So um, yeah, I mean, I like that pitch just runs on him like crazy. Yeah. And definitely, and like, it's pretty much with a lot of guys pitches that I've noticed obviously, but like, we can wind it to like right there with the, well, before that, but that tunnel, that same tunnel that it's coming out of makes it so, so hard for Lindor in this case to decide, you know, where to swing. And because when he's swinging, obviously it looks like the ball is going to end up probably here where it ends up way outside where Caratini catches it. So that just may, it's just, 
part of Darvish and how hard he is to hit when he's on. I know he dealt with some injuries this past year and all that, but when he's on, like how dominant he can be for the Padres. Yeah, and I think uh, people need to make sure to keep – like the one thing that fans do, I think, is when a pitcher goes through a stretch, they're really hard on them. And and that's mm-hmm. fine. Fans can do that. That's your prerogative. Um, pitchers respond better to people having their back and cheering for them and being behind them. And he's one of those guys like, um, you, you know, it's, it's easy to be a fan of a pitcher when they're doing well, right. but when they're struggling, it's fans can help. Like fans could sit there and go, Hey, you know, we're, we're behind you. And I think pitchers respond really well to it. He's got amazing stuff. Like he is a artist when he pitches, he has so many tools. Um, it's almost like a painter with, just a million different colors of paint. Mm-hmm. So uh, versus most guys that have three. Yeah. Very, very fun to watch. And then moving to this next one with against Rizzo when Rizzo was on the Cubs. This was funny to me, interesting to me. Obviously it showcases different pit, different uh, of his pitch selections here. And obviously with the overlay, what can you kind of tell me about uh, this at bat, this kind of video that you remember? Yeah, that was a, a fastball splitter uh-huh. combo. And uh yeah, and you you Darvish obviously is really good friends with Rizzo. They they rib each other back uh back and forth. Right. And uh and tagged him on this one yeah. too. So yeah, use hilarious and uh you know, he has fun with the game. Mm-hmm. Like he's yeah. a he's a big personality and I think um you know it 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 probably takes a while for some fans to realize that once he got more involved on social media, media, I think people understood how big a personality he has and how much fun he has in the game. Um, so that, I mean, I actually told him that, like I said, dude, I think it actually makes you a better pitcher when you're doing this stuff in social, on social media, because people know more about you. They're they're They become a fan of your personality and it makes you looser on the, on the bump too. Um, but yeah, like I, I love, I love that. I love his social media presence. He's just a really funny dude. Yeah. What else can you, before we get into this cutter here, what else can you kind of tell me about? Cause I know you've had him on uh, what else can you kind of tell us about you? Just that some Padre fans might not know. Um, I mean, mostly he, he is just a, he's, he's a very, very good guy who keeps his cards close to his vest somewhat because, you know, with, with a language barrier, a lot of times you're, you know, you don't know if you're going to be taken wrong if you say something. Right. So for a while he was a little bit reserved, but deep down, he's very funny. Like I I had mentioned, I'd named my dog who's sitting right next to me. I named her Darvey because he at one point saved a pit bull from, you know, adopted one from an animal shelter. And, and he's like, Oh, that's funny. You named your dog Darby after me. He said, I'm going to name my dog Robbie after you. <laughs> and I thought that was pretty funny. Like he, uh, he's a, he's again, a really good dude. Yeah. Um, moving here to this cutter here, this third video, this, after watching this, you know, many times, I mean, I didn't realize how great that pitch – I mean, the two-seam, obviously, for me, stands out. But the cutter, what can you say about that? Yeah, I mean, the thing looks like a high strike and ends up on the ground. He yeah. is – this goes more to his feel and artistry on the mound. Like, 
he has multiple cutter grips. So while he claims to have what 11 pitch types, um, he actually even has more than that. Like he manipulates the speed and the break of his cutter. He can make it go straight down. He can make it, you know, cut across just by moving his thumb and his finger positions on the ball and also change the velo on the pitch by just moving his thumb around. And he showed me at one point how to do that. I think that's there. Like he's moving his thumb around to change the shape of the pitch and change the velocity of the pitch. And he knows exactly how fast it's going to be. It's almost like a a gas pedal where he puts his thumb. He's like, if Mm -hmm. I put my thumb here, it's going to be 87 miles an hour. If I put it here, it's going to be 90 miles an hour. um, And he's showing here how much, like how he can make it break or make it go down. So right. it was, a, I mean, he's just incredibly talented. He thinks about pitching more than most pitchers do. If you, I mean, during the entire time I interviewed him, he's sitting there with a baseball trying to just feel the ball and figure out how he would put his fingers on a splitter on a, you know, whatever. Um, he just puts so much thought in the game and some of it he can't share. Like he's light years ahead of people um, when it, comes to feel and and uh and pitch to pitch design and do you know if if it's caratini uh his usual personal catcher that's giving a lot of input on that and how to improve or if it's kind of darvish just seeing his pitches and his bullpens or whatever it's almost always darvish doing that like he loves throwing to caratini caratini's just a great he's just a great catcher um but it's Darvish. He's always been this way. Like he, he literally will. Um, he, he's just, he's like a, uh, a musician that plays by feel. That's what he does. Like he is a total feel pitcher and not necessarily a power guy, even though he has the power to blow a ball by you, he's more going to outthink you and out and out, uh, you know, just design. You're right. going to, he's going to pick you apart as a, as a hitter. And what's interesting, kind of how you're talking about that, is him and Clevenger, Clevenger returning obviously from injury, with the average fan watching the difference between Darvish and Clevenger. Darvish with his, you know, windup and all that, it's not as herky jerky, you know, obviously as Clevenger. And so it seems like there's that vast difference between Clevenger and Darvish. They both can get the job done with Clevenger kind of just using, he still has a lot of pitches, but more force i hope you know where i'm getting at just the more herky jerkiness where darvish is more touch and feel snell's more on the clevenger side i'd say um musgrove i mean he just has another guy i love like that dude can spin a baseball he's great yeah yeah so we can get to musgrove too but what would you just say between the two differences uh between darvish and uh clevenger darvish and snell they're very different personalities too. Like uh, Darvish is a little bit more reserved, a little bit more of a, a quiet, smart ass. Clevenger is a big personality. Snell's a big personality. Clevenger is hyper. Like he is absolutely hyper on the, on the mound where he's rocking back and forth. His legs never stop moving. He can power the ball by you. Um, he's just, he's another, he's just a fun dude to watch he's a character off the field snell's a character off the field um darvish is just way more like he is he's in his own zone like that dude is is always just thinking of every sometimes he'll think too much like he is a he can overthink himself which is why 
I, I pointed out during the season, I actually asked him about it because I noticed he was throwing a, the baseball up to himself in between pitches. And he did that on purpose to try to not think he didn't want to outthink himself and to kind of get too tight. So he would throw the ball up to himself, like saying like that was all he was concentrating on. And I asked him, like, I figured that that was what he was doing and it was. Um, so that's how much the dude thinks. Like he even thinks of ways to stop him from thinking. That's really interesting. I I'd noticed that watching games, but I, I didn't really take too much into it. Now that you kind of point that out, it's like, that's kind of like, wow. Yeah. I, I could see that because he is someone you're right. That with all those pitches and I mean, Caratini, I mean, this is another fascinating thing that I wanted to ask is about Caratini and Darvish and how many pitches that they have to, you know, go through and, has Darvish told you about how hard it is to continuously work on all of the pitches that he has and get to all the pitches? Because, you know, bullpens now, they're probably limited in between starts because you just don't want to, you know, throw a whole start in between starts, you know? Yeah. So he, most pitchers like to simplify their offerings. Like they, they'll have, you know, three, four things that they go to. And a lot of pitching coaches tried to force him into simplifying his arsenal. He's the opposite. Like he can throw, it's not a problem for him to just pick up a ball and throw a specific pitch. He's got it down to a science at this point. Like it doesn't, he doesn't necessarily need to sharpen his arsenal between starts, or even if he doesn't throw a pitch during a game, he might throw, he, he might just surprise you. He might throw his Supreme out there his fast uh, splitter. Like he, he's just got such a feel for the game that that is something that he doesn't necessarily need to do where other pitchers. Yeah. They would have to work like opposite of that. So so this is a good story. Um, You Darvish looked at Shane Bieber's knuckle curve and asked me for his grip. Like I, I ended up hunting for it, slowed it down for him, showed him his spin axis. He's like, got it. Um, worked into a bullpen the next day, the very next game threw it and actually said, you know, I couldn't throw it as a knuckle curve. So I made it my slider spin axis. And he had like 13 K's that game, mostly on his slider. Like he picked this up in two days. Max Scherzer, on the other hand, who is also a very good pitcher. um, He talks about taking three years to develop a pitch, meaning he can, you can change it. You can throw it once. And sometimes it'll work, sometimes it's not, it won't. But to have the command he needs for it, to know how hitters are going to react to it, to know where he wants to throw it, on what count, to what hitters, it takes him three years to perfect a pitch. That's the difference between the 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 guys. And Scherzer, you know, Scherzer's got pretty good feel for the game too. They're just very, pitchers are different. Pitchers are weird. Pitchers, it's one reason why pitching's awesome. Yeah, and that, yeah, that's fascinating because Scherzer to me, when you talk about, that long time to, you know, develop a pitch and all that and use it in a game. Maybe that's just their two different like personalities, maybe like you more. I don't want to, I don't want to say he's not competitive because he obviously is, but I'm saying with Scherzer, like he's so competitive that he wants to be perfect at the pitch before he puts it into the game and not saying that you doesn't want to be, but could you kind of, is that part of the reasoning maybe why that Scherzer wait, would wait so long while you is just more, maybe he's just more open to using it? 
I think it's a difference between an, a painter or an artist and a scientist. Um, Scherzer wants to make sure he knows the answers before he puts it in a game because he's more of a scientist. Um, Darvish is more of a painter in that he's an artist and will blend colors and blend pitch shapes and blend combos kind of just based on what he sees on the hitter, his natural feel. Um, so they're just very, very different mindsets. Scherzer is incredibly, you know, in, intense, um, overpowering personality, uh, you know, kind of a, it just, a, 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 and, and Darvish is a little bit more introspective. So one is more just in your face and Scherzer will just, you know, he, he will dominate you and, and Darvish will pick you apart. So it's kind of two different personalities. Right. And, and the important thing is you can't change that. So this is their personalities in real life. And some pitching coaches, pitching coaches like one size fits all because it's easy to coach. Um, so you might say, hey, you just blow it by them and, and use mind. It's like, I could try that, but I would rather throw this pitch. Or I think that this guy's set up for, you know, for, for something else. And it may not be the way the pitching coach thinks. It may not be the way the manager thinks. It may not be the way the catcher thinks. You need a catcher that's creative to go along with you. Where Scherzer, if you told him, hey, chill out, you know, take it easy. We're just going to, you know, we're going to just pick this hitter apart. He's like, screw you. I'm going at him. Like, I'm going to knock this guy out. Just very different personalities. I think um, Clevenger's probably more like Scherzer in that way. So, uh, yeah, it just depends. Yeah. Um, where I'm curious, where would you kind of rank the Padres uh, pitching staff, their rotation with others in the league along, you know, with the Dodgers and what the Mets seem to be shaping up with? I know they can match anyone at the top now. How would you kind of rank that? It's hard to rank. Like, I think when the when the Padres are going well, like they're one of the pitching staffs being in baseball that's just formidable but like if you're telling me i get peak clevenger peak lamette uh snell musgrove and darvish like at their at their best um i mean that's really tough to beat as a rotation question you know injuries and everything else play into it but if you're giving me them at their best i take any of them in any game like is there a game you'd feel bad going with Musgrove pitching for you like never. no 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 <laughs> definitely not after what you know definitely seen last year and how he was definitely able to stay healthy and he yeah maybe he had a stinker or two I know he had that Sunday night baseball game at Dodger Stadium where but the thing with Musgrove is he just was able to grind through it you know those pitchers that are just a yeah you might stink it up just to start out and you just you know you just didn't have it but you still were able to save some of the bullpen and you were able to pitch a couple more innings than maybe another guy would have because that other guy would have just kept worrying about what already happened instead of flushing it and just moving on. Yeah. He, he throws cartoon pitches. Like that is a guy that I would watch pitch, you know, every day. That's what makes the Padres staff so fun is they have guys like that. Um, you know, it kind of runs the gamut. And then you have like, he's, it kills me not to have a healthy Lamette. Like um, his slider is unhittable. Like that thing, it just, it, it totally disappears. Tunnels really well with his fastball. He throws really hard. Um, he's so good. 
And he's a, you know, he's a, he's an ace on any staff when he's healthy. Like you just need, this is the injury bug. And I don't know that's peculiar to him. It's just the luck of a pitcher, like pitching is hard on the body. And, you know, who knows next year, if they're all healthy and all at the top of their game, are you telling me that that's not the best pitching staff in the major leagues? They very well might be. Yeah, because, and that's the thing, because you're not even talking, like if those guys stay healthy, that makes, I'm not even just talking about the rotation, but that just makes Paddock and the Weathers and guys like that. And if Gore finds something, if they can go to the bullpen now, I mean, and Pat, some people think Paddock might be better off in the bullpen. Uh, I don't really agree with that, but just they'd be better off in the bullpen just because of they can just go all out instead of, you know, having that one or bad inning or something like that where it totally derails, you know, their start or whatever. But yeah, it's really interesting because of how diverse the staff, the staff is. Um, what I had one other question about in terms of just the bullpen with the pitching staff. Um, what do you, what do you think of them getting Luis Garcia and Robert Suarez? Have you seen anything uh, with them? I mean, they just, they give you more depth. I don't, uh, I mean, I can't say that it, I mean, it's not a game changer to me, but it gives you more depth. Like, and, and that's the name of the game is having guys that you can, you can turn to. I mean, they've got pretty good depth anyway. Um, yeah. I'd be excited to see uh, Gore get up and uh, like he's, he's got good stuff. And uh, you told me that that Weathers had the best slider on the team, which I, I asked. I was like, "Who has the best slider on the team?" And and I couldn't believe that. Like, you're talking about the best sliders in baseball, anyway. Uh, like the Padres sliders are you know are top notch. And and yeah. he said Weathers. That's interesting because a lot. I mean, there was a. Weathers got off to a good start last year, but then there was like a good chunk of the season where he was giving up, I think like 28 runs and five starts or whatever. Everything was just hanging over the plate. Wasn't really locating. Then he dealt with an injury, I believe like a knee injury. So yeah, but again, it's all about health. When those guys stay healthy, Lamette, I mean, we saw what he did in 2020. You can say it was a two month season. Yeah. But if he can just stay healthy or if it's in a bullpen role to maybe minimize the times that he's out there. Well, then I I'd be open to that because of how great he can be when he is healthy. I watch him every time he pitches. He's one of those guys that, that is, is electric. Um, he's a fun guy to watch pitch. He, again, he throws hard and has an insane slider that you don't even know. Like he's not one of those guys with the big sweeping one. Mm-hmm. It's more of, it looks like a strike and it disappears on you and you can't hit it which, you know, maybe in your, you know, some people that love those monster breaking, you know, like, like Musgrove throws some sliders that are like his slider and curveball just move ridiculous. Um, It's just a different type of pitch. It's more of a gyro-y thing. Right. All right. Let's move last to the hall of fame here. Um, So Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, they're off the ballot now. They did not get in. David Ortiz did get in. Uh, what I took away, Scott Rowland had a good jump. Todd Hilton had a good jump. For Padre fans out there, PV didn't get a vote, but um, he had a really solid, you know. Short I would have given PV a yeah. I mean, I'd give him a vote. I mean, he's, he was <laughs> fun to watch too. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, but what were your thoughts on Bonds, Clemens, obviously not getting in. Uh, Schilling got his wish, didn't get in by the writers. He, I think he's still on the ballot, though. But uh, what, what are your thoughts just on Ortiz getting in, but then not Bonds and Clemens? It doesn't make any sense. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. Big Poppy deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Clearly, when you're watching him, he's, he's a great player. He's good. He was great for the game. He brought a lot of fans in. He's an he's a incredible talent. But if you're telling me watching Barry Bonds hit was not the – like everybody dropped everything they were doing, every at-bat Barry Bonds had. Pitchers didn't pitch to him. He walked like 200 – what, 30 times in a year. Um, he – the most insane talent I've ever seen a hitter have. Like he was insane before steroids, obviously insane after it. Maybe he wasn't the most likable person for sports writers, but it's not the sports writers hall of fame. It's the fans hall of fame to me. And if I go to the hall of fame and I'm not seeing baseball's all time home run leader, and I'm not seeing the the guy with the most Cy Young's in the history of baseball. And to a lesser extent, because I understand the argument on Pete Rose. I mean, gambling is like the number one rule for years and years and years in baseball. And then he broke it you can't like that's that's something you can't do and there have been people you know obviously shoeless joe was was out very early because of that that being said you have the all-time home run the all-time hit king not in the hall of fame so you're talking about all-time home runs most cy youngs all-time hit leader all of them not in the hall of fame and this is a museum dedicated to baseball so what are we doing here this is ridiculous in the museum though i'll say that um the the way the what would I would kind of pose to you in playing devil's advocate to mm-hmm. that argument is if Bonds were to get in and he's standing on the stage there in front of those Hall of Famers in Cooperstown, what would a guy like Tony Gwynn say? What would a guy like Joe Morgan say that I have to now be in the same category as someone who cheated? What what would they what would they say to that? What would you- I think it's a so Bob Gibson had a great quote saying like talking about steroids and saying look they didn't have this when I was the when I was playing if they did I don't know that I could have not taken it because it's one of those things that you know everybody through the history of the game has looked for an advantage um, nobody had ever before that been you know there is substance abuse suspensions but nobody thought that how you trained would necessarily get you banned from baseball and you know they changed the rules obviously steroids should not be part of the game but to pretend the holier than thou thing like oh i'd never you know these guys are terrible give me a break like nolan ryan nolan ryan used snake actually literally used snake venom because he thought he, he thought that that would help his aching elbow. Like a guy using snake venom and also admitted to throwing in front of the rubber sometimes because the umpire couldn't see it, so he'd move up like five inches. That's cheating too. Where do you draw the line? These guys are, it's, it's cheating, but it's looking for an advantage. People throw spitballs, people scuff the ball. People have done a whole bunch of different things because they're competitive athletes looking for an advantage. And if something, if you're telling me that, Everybody else was doing this. Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, and Barry Bonds is going, these guys are getting a lot of freaking attention. I'm better than them, but yet they're making all the money and getting all the attention. 
And baseball loves it because the game, you know, coming out of the fans disappearing due to strikes and stuff like that, it gave baseball a huge kick, like to watch a guy hit 73 home runs. Um, So baseball benefited from this and then kicks the players when they're down instead of like, you know, they were turning a blind eye. They knew that this stuff was happening and they just said, hey, this is helping ticket sales. Owners benefited from it. Um, commissioners that were commissioned during that time got in managers that managed these players that had to know what was going on, got into the hall of fame. And you're telling me that we're going to take it out on these players. Come on. Like, yeah, and, just, and who are these sports writers to make that judgment? Why are like, I will agree with that. Heck? Yes. I, I will say that. I mentioned that yesterday on my kind of reaction about it. And I'm, while I'm on, I'm more on the side towards, bonds and clemens not going in and them just being in the museum i will definitely acknowledge i went through the names on the public bb hall of fame tracker uh and some of the names they don't even cover baseball like some of them like they cover hockey and they're voting for the baseball hall of fame like so some guys uh one local guy in san diego he was big covering the chargers in heat when they were in san diego but he has a vote so and, and by the way, it was a blank ballot. So And so, yeah, so give me a, like, you look at that. So you have clowns that just want to get the attention themselves. Those guys should be banned from sports writing then. If we're going like, to ban players, come yeah. on. And this isn't even related to Bonds, but the guy that didn't vote for Jeter, like, that's someone who didn't, he didn't put his name on it, by the way. And it's just some of that stuff where it's it's like, yeah, who who really is voting for this? You know, how did Greg, Greg Maddox? How does he not get? How is he not a unanimous Hall of Famer? Right. How did anybody watch that guy pitch and think anything other than he's a unanimous Hall of Famer? Right, Andy you, Johnson. There's so many players. There's so many players. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So hey, yeah. Garen. Exactly. Yeah. Uh huh. And yeah. then you go to this character clause. So I'm going to just rant a little bit. So we have this character clause, the very first hall of fame ballot, you know, who got the most votes on the, on the, the highest percentage of votes on the first hall of fame ballot. Probably what Ty Cobb. It was Ty Cobb. So you're telling me that this character clause that we're sat suddenly enforcing here yet when, when the hall of fame was started, the number one vote getter was Ty Cobb who clearly had some, let's say character issues when he played um, and was a known racist. Like you, you're, what is this character clause that now we're keeping guys out when before you're having the guy with the most votes when like, I'm a lawyer too. So I'm going to the intent of the framers here. And if you're telling me that their intent was to keep bad characters out, then Ty Cobb should not have been the highest vote getter. Right. And I think, yeah. And I think some, would say some that like would be on that side of things. They, I think they would probably say that, well, we're not judging it on that type of character. We're judging it on the playing character and if they cheated on the field. And so I think it's just so much like Kurt Schilling then. Okay. Yeah. So there's just so many, like, how do we judge personality and character? Like is Ty Cobb a better or worse person than Kurt Schilling is like, how do sports writers even make that judgment? Like, is that a, yeah, I think part of the problem too, is that the hall of fame does, they don't make it clear on what the writers should be voting for and what they shouldn't be. 
they include playing and character and integrity and all this stuff. And I think there's just so many different factors where some writers could look at some parts that the Hall of Fame says, and then some writers don't look at that and they look at something else. And I think some of them just look at how many clicks they're going to get on their article saying that they turned in an empty ballot or that they voted for some guy who didn't deserve to get in because they thought they were clean. Like a lot of these guys are attention seeking, you know, folks anyway. Um, and that's the part that, that, that bugs me. The fans don't get, seem to get a voice in anything. Like, why aren't the fans, you know, we have the owners and players have it like the fans are kind of left out waiting for this to get solved. I'm always on the player side, um, but the fans need a voice. And for the Hall of Fame, like, it's not the writers who buy tickets to that. It's the fans who buy tickets to that. And you're telling me that you can't take your kid to the Hall of Fame and let him see the greatest player that they've ever seen, you know, and, and explain to him, hey, he cheated. He was great before that. He cheated. You shouldn't cheat. It's a bad thing to do. Maybe put it on his plaque. Maybe have a full exhibit on the steroid era and say, you know, baseball is at fault for this too for letting it go on i mean it's 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 just it's like saying you know the guys that were getting by using sticky stuff um once everybody realized that hey these guys are getting big contracts then you start using it too right like yes it is technically against the rules it is a rule that was never enforced and now they're in you know once they enforce it everybody's equal but people were you know they they're trying to feed their family and trying to help their team and if you're not willing to do everything you can to maybe push the envelope to help your team because other teams are doing it, or other players are doing it, then are you really a good teammate? Like, I don't know. There's some questions on that. Yeah. And I think it's a really, and we'll end with this hall of fame kind of discussion with your point about making a little bit of a different area in the plaque room or whatever about, you know, this guy cheated, you know, all that stuff. I think, I, I'm like I mentioned, I'm not on the side of putting them in. If it was just if it was just Bonds, Clemens, A-Rod, they're all in it with the same group of Tony Gwynn and everyone that played it clean. If they're in their own place and I would be more open to it, I totally acknowledge. I mean A-Rod, it was like A-Rod, Bonds, they're all some of the greatest talents right. I've ever, ever seen ever watched highlights of seen their baseball reference pages. Um, but so I think if there was a totally different, you know, spot, I'd be more open to it. So I just think that there's so many problems though, with the voting process, the people voting that it just makes it tricky to decide who to vote for and how this process should be even, you know, leveled out. There is. And the other thing is, if you look at convictions for anything, the guys that were actually brought to trial on this stuff they weren't convicted so you're like you're like saying clemens is a steroid user where he denies it and a jury said he's not guilty of it like what do you do there like who knows better yes you can listen to the anecdotal evidence and you probably like i'm not stupid like you you know you everybody has a good idea of who is doing what but if a jury can't find it and the guy denies it then who, and he never tested positive. Like, what do you do? Like, I don't know what you, what you do on those things. So we get guess based on head size, based on what your gut instinct is, or do you just say, you know, other sports are laughing at us right now. I actually retweeted two uh, bat NBA players 
who were looking at the Hall of Fame going, this guy's not in the Hall of Fame? What the heck? Talking about Barry Bonds. And, uh, you know, I don't know that sport, other sports do that. Um, why are we doing that? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's a good point. Um, this has been fun. Episode 96 of the Talking Fires podcast. Ben Fadden with the pitching ninja, Rob Friedman. Rob, thanks so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right. Until next time, everyone, let's go Padres. And hopefully there's this lockout can get, you know, get something moving along. Thank you so much again for listening and watching. Until next time, let's go Padres.